You're listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. We've been in a series called Core Values, and, and it's been all about understanding what our seven core values are here at Freedom Church. But even more important than understanding our values, I hope that you've been able to look at your own life and determine what your values are. Now, your values might line up with some of the values that we have, and we're going to talk about this today, but, but it's important, it's really important that you as a family, that you have a series of values that, that dictates how you do things. You know, something we say a lot around here is that what you think turns into what you believe, what you believe turns into what you do. Your actions always come out of what you believe, and your beliefs always come out of what you think. And so, if you will change what you think, you can change what you believe, and you can change what you do. And the whole belief side of it starts with your core values by what you think. So these are some values that dictate how we do things and why we do things uh, because they are the core. They are the core to who we are and what we're all about. I highly encourage you, if you are a married couple in here today, y'all go have a dinner one night, have somebody babysit the kids, and y'all take two or three hours, eat some pasta, eat some bread, and then come up with some core values for your family and say, this is how we are going to operate. Now, whether you're single or married or nothing, anything in between, uh, you need to do this for your life. You'll find that if you have a set of, of, of values that you've decided I'm going to live by, it's a whole lot easier to grab those than to think of something in the middle of a problem. And so be sure that you're, you have some values. Now, we talked about Jesus being our message and all that, the uh, people are a priority. Last week and the week before that, we spent on development. We had two weeks on development. Now, I promise you, I'm not going to talk about development this week a lot. I'm going to talk about it a little bit. But development is such a huge part of what we do here at Freedom Church, and so it's so important that we tackle a lot of that. Now, um, we look at development kind of like as discipleship plus. Now, have y'all noticed, like with ESPN, Apple TV, Disney, they always have the plus on the end of it now. Walmart plus, okay? They're all the, well, well, Time Magazine talks about that in an article. They say, the value of the plus is that it implies more, better, premium, without being specific as to what the content, scale, or degree of premiumness is. Uh, what is Disney Plus? Y'all, it's just Disney. But you pay your little $5.99 or whatever it is because I got to get that plus. Okay? What do you get with Walmart Plus? Y'all, it's just free shipping like Amazon. That's all it is. That's two-day shipping. But y'all got, oh, I'm a plus member. <laughs> I'm plus, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realize that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a plus member, right? Um, but development is discipleship plus. It's funny because it, it, the plus suggests that customers will be getting something extra without making it at all clear what that extra thing might be. Now, one thing I do wish is that all of these little companies would get together and have just one fee for all these pluses. You know what I'm saying? Paying $5.99 here, $2.99 there, $16.99 here. And I know some money in the first service says we'll just get cable. But then I got to watch a commercial, y'all. Come on, man. What? Like, I, I don't want to wait to learn about Metamucil before I find out who the killer was. You know what I'm saying? Just like, tell me the answer. On demand is how Jesus wants it. You know what I'm saying? Which, interestingly enough, is what we've done here at Freedom Church. We had an Empower class that you could come to for four weeks in a row, and nobody went to that. But we put it online, on demand, and everybody's going through it. So, um, and also, something that we're in, they're doing right now in the works, um, we have a series of 10 videos we're calling The Essentials. And those 10 videos are stuff like the nature of God, how to read your Bible, how to pray, um, what, what being led by the Spirit looks like. These are on-demand videos. They're about 15 minutes that you'll be able to watch at any time and learn some of the basics of Christianity. Can anybody benefit from some of that? 
Okay, see, on demand. I got you. Discipleship plus. Development plus, baby. That's what I got you on. Development is discipleship plus. It's the power of becoming like Christ, which, remember, that's the message that never changes, but with the added benefit of a method that is tailored to you. It's one of the reasons why we use mentorship as such a big process here is because if I have everybody coming to a class, it's one thing. But if I'm one-on-one with you once a week, all of a sudden now you're getting personalized care. I mean, who wants to go to the doctor? You've got an issue and you get in a room with eight other people and you have to say, all right, doctor, this is what I have. That's weird, isn't it? I kind of just want to go like, oh, what's wrong with you? You know, like we taking bets, like guessing, like, all right, I got 10 on, she's got a bunion. You know what I'm saying? Like, really hilarious <laughs> um, but we have these opportunities mentorship serving groups which is what we uh, our meetups um, outside the four walls daily engagement there are things like the daily hit that we do every single week there's so much more there's podcasts there's all these things that we're doing to try, try to help disciple and develop you this development is a process where you become better in every aspect of your life If you're not in a situation where you wake up every single day with this mindset that says, I want to be better today. And if you go to bed every single night realizing I did not get better today, I would lovingly invite you to step into a process of development, discipleship plus, if you want to. That might be something like this. We have some stuff on the the board here. The empowerment class. Okay, go through empower. This is just where you learn about Freedom Church, where you learn about what it means to be led by the Spirit. You learn your gifts. Like, you know, God gave you spiritual gifts. Do you know God made your personality a certain way and it can help us understand how to interact with you if we understand how your personality works? It's amazing. Um, how about this? Asking for help. That's freedomdl.com slash help. There's a form you can fill out, 100% confidential. And what it'll do is it'll help you ascertain whether or not you're in a good place mentally right now. And if you're not, don't stress. We got you, fam. We're going to help you. Whether it's a ministry session with a pastor or whether we cover some professional counseling for you, we're all about that. We are not the church that says you just pray more. We want you to pray more, but we also might want you to go see somebody. Okay, there's some thought processes that you need to get out of your mind. Maybe just send in a connect card and say, hey, I need to make Jesus Lord. These are development stuff coming up for prayer after service. What about this? You see a face in here today and you know this person. All right. And you go home and on Monday afternoon, you're having the worst day your whole life ever. Tuesday morning, you wake up and this person's face is in your mind. You know what that's God telling you to do? Call them for coffee. Because God, the Holy Spirit, is trying to tell you they have something that you need in order to develop whatever's going on in your life. This is our process, y'all. Now, this is the start of it, I should say. This is where everything jumps in. Salvation is just the first step in Christianity. It's the line of scrimmage, not the end zone. Okay, I'm not just trying to get you to salvation. I'm trying to get you to salvation so we can get you to the other stuff, the good stuff, the great stuff. You know, that's what it's about. And this is the same process here. This is what development is about here at our church. We get you to this point so we can help God do whatever he wants to do in your life. Listen, no one ever said, I wish I weren't developed. But people always say, I wish I'd started sooner. There's an old proverb that says, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is right now. So I'm inviting you to step into a development process. Amen? Amen. Jesus is our message. People are the priority. Development is our focus. Unity is our pursuit. Team is our structure. Excellence is our standard. Generosity is our privilege. These are our core values. This is what everything we do at Freedom Church funnels through. If there's a program that takes advantage of people, we will axe that joker in a heartbeat. I ain't about that life. I'm not going to create a system or be involved with the system that runs people over. Okay? 
So our core value has dictated how we're going to do some things. Today we're talking specifically about unity being our pursuit. When unity happens, this is what we have on our website, when unity happens, God commands a blessing. Unity is more than getting along. It is linking arms and moving the kingdom forward in our lives and in our city. We go ahead and put that on the screen if we can. But unity is not natural. It is something we have to collectively go after, which is why at Freedom we pursue it. Our pursuit is to build bridges, not walls, and that is done through unity. Now, listen, before you check out here, remember, unity is not just something we do at church. It's got to be in every aspect of your life, okay? How about some disunity in your own house? Like, come on, ladies. Y'all know your husband be saying some stupid stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Or what about your kid whenever you tell them to clean the room for the fifth time and they look at you and they say no? Oh, see, it's some disunity, but it's also about to be some spankitude. You know what I'm saying? Like, to, to come to Jesusness. You know what I'm saying? It's about to be an altercation that brings about redemption through your reconciliation and confession and repent. Come on, man. <laughs> you know? If the good talking don't help you, we're going to spank it out of you, Jesus, right? But unity is huge in every part of your life. How about some disunity at your workplace? How many of you want to go to work right now because you're going to have an argument with your supervisor tomorrow? Come on, man. Like, nobody wants that. Unity, though, can make or break your life. It can make or break every aspect of it. So today what I'd like to do is let's talk about three key elements of unity, and then we're going to identify some enemies of unity uh, to help us kind of process this. And listen, again, don't take this just about being about the church stuff. This is just as much your life as anything. Number one, unity requires you love them first. I don't want to love them, though. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to love people. Hey, listen, loving people can be hard. If loving you is wrong, I don't want... Did you think of it, too? <laughs> I don't want to be right. What? Some of y'all ain't even singing that, but some of y'all is like, loving you is impossible. I don't care about Philippians 4.13. That's Jesus. That ain't, that ain't me. I can do all things through Christ. Not love you, though. Colossians 3.14. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Come on, y'all know what it's like when somebody's on, on, you know, singing a song, like you hear something, all, one person is out of harmony. One person's like, how did they even get a microphone? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is going on? Doesn't it ruin the whole thing? I mean, it's like, they can be singing, ah, and all of a sudden you hear somebody go, nah, like, okay, <laughs> everything is messed up. But that one little thing, just because one person is out of harmony. If there's no love in your heart, though, for the one whom you, with whom you disagree, then all is lost. You know why? Because it's easy to hate an enemy. It's easy to denigrate somebody you don't care about. It's easy to draw battle lines and begin the assault. It's easy to get into these dogmatic mindsets that demand people choose a side. That's why politically it's so jacked up right now, y'all. It's like there's, there's not this thing anymore that says, you know what, I'm going to do everything I can to listen to your viewpoint. And even if I don't agree with your viewpoint, let's have a conversation so we can compromise and meet in the middle. Because I realize I can't expect you to do everything I want, and you can't expect me to do everything you want, but at least we can meet in the middle and come to some agreement where we can move forward. That's not what politics is like anymore. 
Come on, man. You, you have people, you either a donkey or an elephant. You either red or blue. You either one side or the other side. There's no common ground anymore. Why? It's because we don't love people anymore, man. Yeah. We don't. Well, I don't know. I don't know how I could love somebody who thinks like that. God loves you, and you think like crazy stuff sometimes. Act like you don't ever have a crazy thought in your mind. We all know there's one side, there's the other side, then there's the truth somewhere in the middle, isn't it? Did y'all know that? Okay, see, I'm trying to help y'all out when it comes to fighting with each other. Marriage class comes right after church today, 1 o'clock. The mindset that says I'm right and they're wrong is the sweetest aroma to pride. That mindset blinds you to any wrongdoing in your own heart. It creates bitterness in you that breeds hate in your heart towards that person. I know you don't believe me, so let me ask you this. What if somebody accuses you of something you didn't do? Watch how your flesh responds to it. First is disbelief because logic has completely been left out and ignored. How could you possibly think that? Like, I have it on my phone. It says, it says the very, like, how, where's the logic here? The second thing is frustration because they just won't see the truth. Now, ladies, I don't want y'all looking at your husband right now because y'all think he can't see the truth. A lot of times with guys, he can see the truth. We just don't want to look at it. Okay. Oh, don't even women act like it's just men. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I'm going to move right along for the sake of unity. Third is anger. Third is anger. I'm getting angry. No. Um, fourth is bitterness. Fifth is broken relationship. But did you notice in the verse that we read a second ago, in Colossians 3.14, and above all these. So whenever you see something like that in the Word, or whenever you see therefore, I had a professor one time say, if you see therefore, you need to go see what it was there for. And so you need to go back and read the verses leading up to that verse so you can figure out the context. I know, I know context is a crazy thing in the Word of God, because a lot of times people are taught just to take a verse and apply it however you want to. Wrong. You need to listen to the context, because what happens is you will take something out of context, and you will be living in an old wives' tale, not the Word of God. So you've got to be sure you go back and look at what it's there for. So let's look at Colossians 3, 12 through 13. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. So if we really want unity, we, we, have, to, we have to love each other. Well, what does that mean? Well, Pastor, Pastor Chuck, my, my pastor at New Covenant, he has this phrase he always used to say. He says, when you do what love does, you feel what love feels. That's really good. When you do what love does, you feel what love feels. Um, let me adjust it a little bit and make one of my own and say this. When you do what love does, you do what love does. Huh? Like, what? His, his statement was way better, wasn't it? No, listen to mine. When you do what love does, you, you do what love does. What's that mean? Well, when I'm in a situation where I feel wronged, I have the choice to do or not do what love does. Well, what does love do? It unifies. Well, how does it do that? By doing what love does. Okay, who's on first? Like, this feels like it's a circular argument. Well, what does love do? Love takes off the robe of justice and puts on the robe of holiness, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. You, you can't chase after unity and justice at the same time. Okay? You can't get even and get unity at the same time. 
So if you want unity, you have to decide whether or not you love them enough to lay down justice, let God handle it, and you just chase after unity. Now, does that mean put your hand in the bear trap? Come on, guys. No, it doesn't mean that. And there are times when people legitimately wrong you, and we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. So this isn't just talking about blind love, like, oh, I'm supposed to love you, so here, here's my hand. No, come on, you hear what I'm saying here? But it's like, if you wrong me, I have to make a decision. Do I love you enough to deal with the wrong to get to unity? Or do I hate you and just want my justice? You see, I'm an American, baby. We got a whole department devoted to justice. And it's exponentially more difficult in the West because of that justice thing inside of us. Come on, man. Somebody cut you off in traffic? What do you want? I'm just waiting for that police to come get them, right? You want instant karma, baby? It's a multi-million dollar industry on YouTube just watching instant karma videos because we want our justice. But do we want unity? Love chooses to bear the person's burden. Love chooses to forgive. Have you considered that possibly, just maybe, the person that just yelled at you at your office is not actually angry at you, but you just happen to be in close proximity to somebody that's hurt and they don't know how to deal with it. See, what justice says is, I'm going to get you back. But what love says is, how can I help you? How can I bear your burden? In fact, will you just put your burden on my back for a few minutes and let me give you a break? My goodness, I will do anything for somebody who's willing to walk up to me and say, you know what, just put the weight on my back for a moment just to give you a break. I don't need them to solve it. I don't need them to fix it. I just need them to help me bear it for a second because if they do, it means they love me. And sometimes, even better than justice, you know what tastes better than justice? Knowing that someone loves you. Unity doesn't happen until love does. I mean, if you have a problem with someone in your world and you don't love them, then you're never going to be able to reconcile with them. Now, wait a minute. What, what if I don't want to reconcile? Okay, now, aren't you glad that God doesn't require you to reconcile with people? Like, you need to, but there's some people... There's some people that you probably don't want to reconcile with. Well, who'd that be? Well, somebody that abused you. I mean, right? Somebody that hurt you in a way that should, you should never be hurt. Somebody who says they love you, but they, they never, ever, ever do anything to verify their statement. I get it. There's some relationships that, even if there is a modicum of reconciliation, it's never going to be the same. The Bible says don't, don't, give, don't give what's holy to the dogs. The Bible says don't cast pearls before the swine. The, the Bible says shake the sandals at one point. And then look at this, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. Listen, God is not okay with you constantly putting yourself in toxic relationships. It's just the truth, guys. And if you can prove to me in the word that that's not right, let's have a coffee this week and talk about it. But God's not okay with that. But, but, you still have to forgive him. You still have to forgive them. And listen, guys, you cannot forgive in your flesh. The person that hurt you, that when you were a kid and you were innocent and they stole your innocence, look, mm, that hurts. You still have to forgive them. 
That don't mean you got to go. Man, aren't you glad that you don't have to go reconcile with somebody before you can forgive them? We'd all go to hell, y'all, honestly, because we wouldn't be forgiven. We wouldn't even forgive ourselves. Like, you'd be looking at me like, I hate you. I'm not forgetting. <laughs> we wouldn't forgive anything. But God doesn't make us reconcile with that person to forgive them. But we do have to forgive them. But listen, in your flesh you can't. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. This is a work of God in your life. This is a result of love in your heart for that person. Now listen, I know that's tough. How in the world could you love somebody that's hurt you so badly that you can't even stand the sound of their name? How do you love somebody like that? Well, there's a, there's a Bible verse, and I tried so hard to find it this week, and I just, I just couldn't find it. I'm, I'm going to find it next week, though, because it's, it's just eating me alive. But here's another verse right here in 1 John 4.16 that kind of says the same thing. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. Listen, sometimes you cannot bring yourself to initiate love for a person, be that your flesh or what they did to you or, or whatever. Sometimes you have to love others with the power that comes from the love inside of you that you get from Jesus Christ. Sometimes the only way you can love others is to tap into the love that God has for you. Sometimes you have to rely on the love that is in you to allow that love to shine through you. What am I saying here? Sometimes you have to love out of Jesus' love for you, not out of your love for them. And if you will love them out of Jesus' love for you, you will find that something changes inside of your heart and it gives you the ability to love them. Doesn't mean reconcile with them. It doesn't mean that what they did was okay. It doesn't mean that you have to go apologize to them or that you have to go say, hey, listen, I just want you to know I forgave you. <laughs> like, you don't have to do any of that stuff. Because some of y'all, I know right now, if you went back to that person, you probably wouldn't say, hey, I forgive you. You'd probably like shank them or something, right? And let's be real, guys. Are we going to mask up or are we going to be real? Those pains are real. And, and I used to have the mindset that said that you know you're forgiven when, you've, when you stop feeling the hurt. Uh, since I've met Pastor Deborah, I don't know that that's 100% true. I think you can still feel the hurt but still walk in forgiveness. Yeah. I'm willing to say that sometimes even the hurt stops being about pain and starts being a notification that you've forgiven. You don't have to reconcile with them to love and forgive them. But you do have to love and forgive them if you want to be reconciled to God. Remember, love your enemies, forgive them too. Remember, God forgave you. Well, I didn't do to God what, what they did to me. I don't know that I would want to defend that point. So to maintain unity, it has to start with love. But unity is not something the enemy's just going to let you have without a fight. He's not just going to skip through Liberty County going, oh, let him have unity. <laughs> no. Unity is something, number two, that requires you to fight for and pursue. Okay, we've pretty much all of us in here, I hope, has heard the story of David and Goliath. 1 Samuel 17, if you haven't heard it, go read 1 Samuel 17. The Israelites and the Philistines were about to fight. Goliath comes down. He's like, and so we send somebody down to fight, right? He's hurling all these insults and all this crazy mess. And so David goes down there, little old David with this little slingshot. And got Goliath, an eight-foot-tall, nine-foot-tall dude. It's, the fight is over, right? David's going to get crushed. But David says, whoop, 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 boom, hits him in the head with the rock and kills him, right? <laughs> That's exactly how the sound of the sling was. It's a Hebrew sling. Um, 
In chapter 17, there are two incredibly important verses. The first one, I'd say almost the most important verses. The first one is this, uh, verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling of the stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. Okay? Got him. David got him, y'all. Here's the second most important. This, verse 52. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout. Wow, I never saw that before. Israel and Judah. A unified kingdom fighting the same enemy. Come on, somebody. Rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. What am I saying here? Why is this important? Here's why. Jesus came to earth to unify us with God. That was Jesus killing Goliath. He stopped the disunity between you and your father. And if we will simply believe in Jesus Christ, we're able to be reconciled with our father, reunified with him. He's killed the Goliath in our life that separated us from our father in heaven. But look at this. All right. After that, to maintain unity, though, what we have to do is we have to fight for and pursue it. This is the Israelite and the Judah army chasing the Philistines to the edge. Now, listen. What would have happened if after Goliath would have fallen, the Israelites and the Judites would have just sat there and were like, well, got him, you know, got him, we're done, boys. What would have happened? Would the Philistines have fled back to their country, regrouped, got another one of Goliath's brothers, and came back even more powerful? Guess why they didn't do that? The, the Israelite army chased them, and it says they slaughtered them along the way, they picked up all the stuff they dropped, their chariots, their horses, their swords, their shields, their javelins, their helmets, all of these things they collected and brought back to, to Jerusalem. Now, why is that so important? Because the Israelite army needed to chase the Philistines out in order to maintain the unity. They took everything that was trying to disunify them, disarmed the disunity so that they could walk in unity and peace. And if you don't do the same in your life, what happens is the enemy might flee your house for a moment, but they still have their weapons, they still have their shield, they still have their tools, and they're going to come back even stronger to attack you. This is why it's important that we don't just have a moment of unity and then say, all right, well, we got it, boys. No, you chase division out of your house. You chase it out. You chase it out of your workplace. Well, how do you do that? As it's up to you, live at peace with people. Do everything you can to unify. When somebody stops at your cubicle and says, I ain't going to tell you what happened with Sally last week. You know what? You ain't going to tell me what happened with Sally last week because you're a gossip and I ain't about to live that life. Like, come on. If, if we're going to live according to the word, see what you did in that moment is you became an Israelite that refused to stay on the sidelines and let somebody else fight the battle. You said, I'm in the game. I'm going to fight for unity. What about whenever division comes to your household? You know, your 13 year old daughter starts getting real snappy about stuff. You gonna let division happen? Now, I'm not saying act like a crazy, like don't go get a sword and start chasing your kid around the house. At some point, every metaphor breaks down, y'all. Okay? So at some point, it breaks down. Please don't do that. That might be a CPS call. I don't know how that works, but don't do that. But in the spirit, come on, dads. And y'all, I'm talking to me as much as I'm talking to anybody else. Because it might be a 13-year-old for you, but right now for me, it's a 4-year-old that thinks she is 1,340 and lived everything and like knows exactly. Like, talk, talk to the point of like saying, Audrey, close the door. I did close the door. Oh, you about to, oh, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, here's something that's come to me in the last 24 hours since dealing with this. Is rather than losing my cool with my kid, did I stop for a moment 
and even just under my breath begin to pray for unity? No, I went straight for justice. I mean, I went straight for these hands. I didn't even try Jesus yet. The moment you stop fighting for and pursuing unity is the moment division will make its move. Problems are going to come. You're going to have plenty of opportunities to be offended. I'm not going to call soon enough. Or I'm going to answer the call and, and not have time and don't know why I really answer the call. It happened to you last night. Sorry, brother, I love you, but it just, life was busy. There's going to be plenty of opportunities for offense. What are you going to do about it? Don't forget that everyone else is just as worthy and in need of grace and mercy as you are. But the natural reaction, I should say the fleshly reaction, is to fight the neighbor that offended you. Can I make a loving suggestion? Stop fighting the neighbor. Fight the disunity. Fight for unity. Okay, when your husband comes home and he pops off at you, don't fight him. Look at him and square in his face and say, who hurt you today? I know that may sound silly, but it's like, what if right before he got in his truck to come home, his boss yelled him up one side and down the other? And you expect him to come home and be Captain America for your family. Or vice versa, fellows, when you get home and your stay-at-home wife is down there with these four-year-olds and five-year-olds and she's just banging her head against the wall, you better not walk in and go, hmm, so the laundry's not done, huh? Don't be surprised when she books that ticket to Vegas to go meet with the mob. You know what I'm saying? Like, How about this, y'all? Choose to fight division as aggressively as you want to fight your neighbor. Well, what does that look like? Well, that looks like a conversation instead of an accusation. That looks like a desire for reconciliation more than a desire to gossip. It looks like peace talks instead of ally gathering. Let me give you a hug here, all right? Now, let me give you a hug. 1 Corinthians 1.10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. It's almost like I can hear Joel Osteen reading it because it's so nice. I appeal to you, brothers. You know, like, just it's so sweet. And, like, I, I, I've, I've had the privilege of meeting Joel Osteen several times, and he is just as nice in person, off platform, as he is on platform. He's nice, man. You feel hopeful when you're around him. And it's a good thing because God told him to preach hope to a hopeless city. So he's doing it. Yeah. But my goodness, that's a, I mean, just, oh, don't be, don't let there be divisions. Like, it's just so sweet. Now, let me punch you. All right, here's a punch. Ready? <laughs> By the way, same dude wrote this. Um, I think the first Corinthians verse was, um, I don't know why he wrote that, when he wrote that, but this Romans one, he must have been like, look, I'm running out of parchment. I'm about to get y'all. Um, Romans 16, 17 through 18. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Come on, man. Paul ain't playing games. He may have hugged the Corinthians, but he was punching the Romans. Your allegiance is revealed by whether or not you pursue unity. So here's what I think about this, is that God is looking for a people who are hungrier for unity than they are for their own appetites.
and, and if you feed your spirit, then unity is what you're going to get. Whenever, whenever you get into an argument, into a fight, I want to be careful that I'm not saying that you are just chasing after disunity. But the moment you begin to feel your blood kind of come up, you know what I'm talking about? Y'all know when y'all, y'all get that moment like, oh, oh, you chose violence today. <laughs> like, you know that moment, right? Nowadays, it's funny because it's not even somebody saying, what'd you say? It's like they say, what's good? See, you, what's good used to be like, hey, man, things are great. Like, like the sky's blue and like flowers are blooming, bees are buzzing. Now somebody says, what's good? You better be like, you better get ready. But, but whenever you feel that moment where it's like, oh no, it's on, could you, just, could you just try in that moment to ask yourself a little tiny question? Which appetite am I about to feed? Is it one that's going to bring unity or is it one that's going to bring division? And listen, I'm talking to you spouses, especially for just a second. You know exactly what you need to say to get your spouse at DEFCOM 10. You know what I'm saying? Like, we passed five. And women, I love y'all, but y'all remember some stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, fellas, if you wanted to know what you did 13 years ago on a Thursday, oh, get one little fight. I'm going to let y'all choose, uh, ladies, whether or not that's right or wrong. I'm going to let Jesus deal with y'all on that. Some of us no records are wrongs, 1 Corinthians 13, but I'm just going to move right past that. I don't, I don't want division. Whether it's God's house or your own house, you have to fight for unity. You have to pursue it, guys. Last is this. Unity is a part of God's plan. Now, <laughs> this might seem like a derp kind of statement, uh, but sometimes we can forget this. It's so easy to let our own will trump God's will. But unity is interwoven through every aspect of the biblical narrative and God's plan for us. And there's a great passage of scripture on unity. It's out of Psalm 133. It says this, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Sisters too. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Do you see how big of a deal unity is to God? He, he, he makes it akin to the anointing. Pastor Deborah last week talked about how the anointing breaks the yoke. Can you imagine your unity might be the one thing that's missing in your life? That God wants you to break the yoke that's been in your life? Could it be unity is the key? There's a blessing that comes with unity. And did you know it's not just any blessing? It's life. So if you look at your family right now, if you look at your life, and you don't see that there's life there, could it be that there's disunity there that needs to be dealt with? Now, if it's between you and a spouse, look, I'm in big-time agreement that sometimes you just need a third party to come in and mediate, okay? So do what you can. Now, listen, Satan knows the power of unity. He knows exactly what it's about, and so he's going to do everything he can to stop it. So as we, as we land here today, let me give you five quick enemies of unity. And this is from an organization called Entree Leadership. Um, there's no need to reinvent the wheel if they already got a good one. So, um, so I'm going to share this with you because I think it's going to help you. Practical applications today for how to have unity in your life by observing these, these enemies of unity. Number one, failure to communicate. Failure to communicate. Listen, if you've communicated too much, you've probably communicated just enough. You can't do something about a problem that you don't know exists. Boy, have you ever had that happen? Somebody walk out of your life and you're like, what, what happened? What, did I do something? <laughs> yes. Okay, what did I do? <laughs> Nothing, just forget it. <laughs> I'm sorry, like what, what am I supposed to do in that moment? 
If you have a problem with someone, you communicate. If you get offended, you communicate. If you think something just isn't right, you communicate. If you have an issue, you communicate. Have you ever heard of the Tower of Babel? You remember that one? Okay, so in Genesis 11, I'm not going to read the verse, but the Bible says that the Lord came down and says, oh, snap, they can do anything. Um, Let's confuse their language. How many of you, come on with spouses, how many feel like sometimes you're speaking Hebrew and they're speaking French? You're speaking English and they're speaking Kenya Rwanda. If you ever get into a situation like that, let me, let me just lovingly suggest this. Like, shut your mouth for a few minutes and get somebody that knows both languages to come and mediate. God's honest truth. We, I don't know why, why there's been this mindset in the church that you've just got to figure out how to do all this by yourself. It's just wrong, man. Even Jesus Christ had a team. And if the Son of God that was sinless had a team, maybe you should too. You know, it's funny too about that team. James, he could really speak the language of the rabbis. He really could. Matthew couldn't. You know what Matthew spoke though? He spoke tax collector. Okay, Peter was not polished. Second Peter is the worst Greek in the entire Bible. It's because Peter wrote it with his own hand. It's trash. It's the worst Greek in the entire Bible. Peter was a fisherman. You know, if Jesus wanted to reach out to the salt of the earth people, he maybe didn't use James because James was a little bit more scholarly, but Peter is just an old fisher boy. You see what I'm saying? So it's important that you find somebody that can speak the language so that you can communicate. Poor communication has the power to stop unity in, your tr- in its tracks. Okay? So if you feel like you can't understand what your spouse is saying, if you can't feel like, understand what you feel like somebody at your job is saying, go get the boss. This ain't about turning people in. No, it's about helping get communication back together. Why don't you say, hey, you know what? I was at church this week. We talked about unity. And they said one of the things is lack of communication can stop unity in its tracks. And I cannot seem to comprehend what this person is wanting me to do. So I just thought I would come and talk to you about how can we get on the same page here? Because I know we all want to see this thing succeed. If you came to me like that and I was your boss, I'd promote you. You know, get in my office. Just drive the just drive the backhoe. Like I don't know, you may say that, but at least you tried. Number two, lack of shared purpose. You can't have unity without a common goal, without a common mission, without a common vision. Proverbs twenty nine eleven, it says, "Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint." So, so again, you have to have that common vision. That's why it's so important for you and your spouse to get together, come up with some core values, a mission statement for your family. Number three, y'all love this one, gossip. Everybody loves a gossip until it's about you. Gossip is unfair to everyone because it is communication, but it's with no hope of reconciliation. Gossip only attempts to do two things, to denigrate the person you're gossiping about and to win allies to the gossiper. Listen to what Proverbs says here in in chapter 6, 16 through 19. There are six things the Lord hates, even seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Like four to five of those have to do with unity. Number four, unresolved disagreements. Hebrews 12, 14 through 15. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness 
without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. If you don't, if you don't deal with a problem that someone has, that, you know, deal with something that somebody's done to you, then it's your responsibility to deal with it. If you've been hurt, it's your responsibility. If you don't, the fallout is your responsibility. Okay? A lot of times you can have a miscommunication with somebody and they come up to you and you're like, I didn't even know I did that. I'm so sorry. And so you've been over here mad as a crazy person and, and like the whole time they've not even known what the problem was. And so, and uh, y'all, man, y'all know how this happens. Y'all see them the next week at church and they're coming in just skipping and happy-go-lucky and you're mad as you can be and you're like, makes you mad. Like, look at them. They're happy. They don't even know what they did to me. You know, like, of course they don't know. People are not nearly as self-aware as you think they are. They don't have a clue. You don't have a clue that that's what happened. But here's the problem. Like, take your own family for just a second. Let's say you, husband and wife, y'all have a problem. And y'all start arguing at each other. And all of a sudden, y'all don't deal with it. Y'all don't solve the problem. You let it fester. You let it become bitterness. Guess what? It's not defiling you. It's defiling, defiling your children. It's defiling your household. I don't want to deal with it. Because if I deal with it, I don't have to deal with it. Yeah, so either deal with that or deal with the fallout of it defiling your home. That's why it's so important to deal with problems. Even if you think something, I don't even know if it's really a problem. Talk to somebody about it. All right. And there, one of the things we do here is we never go down with a discussion like that. We always go up. Okay. So if, it's, if it's somebody in our congregation, they can talk to a lead team member. If it's somebody in our lead team, they need to talk to one of our pastors. If it's somebody in our pastors, we talk to the elders. If it's elders, we talk to the board of directors. If it's the board of directors, then I talk to some of my pastors who don't even go here. They, some of my people that are over me. So we have a, a protocol to deal with things because we never want to talk down to someone or, and bring a, bring a this level problem to a this level person. You see what I'm saying? That We don't want to do that. So the Bible says, Matthew 18, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens, you've gained a brother. Now, what if they don't listen? Go read Matthew 18 because there's a prescription for that too. <clears throat> what I'm trying to encourage you to do is to pick your pain, either the pain of a courageous conversation or the pain of the fallout. Can I lovingly encourage you that the pain of the courageous conversation is much less than the fallout? Because the courageous conversation just is you and that person. The fallout, who knows who it will include? Ask me how I know. Last one is pride. Pride is the opposite of humility. In humility, we put ourselves in the service of others. But in pride, we use others to serve our own purpose. Listen, especially you married people, if you're using your spouse to serve your own purpose, you're not doing it God's way. Jimmy Evans says there's a 100% chance of success if you do marriage God's way. There is a 100% chance of failure if you use your spouse to serve your every little need. Love you. James 4, 6. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The quickest way to get on God's bad side is to use the same tool that the enemy used to get kids out of heaven. So when you're acting in humility, you're acting more like your father than ever. But when you're acting in pride, you're acting more like Satan than ever. So... Take some time in the mirror. Take some time looking at your interactions and determine, am I acting like my father or the devil? Okay, when unity happens, God commands a blessing. I have three questions for you today. Three questions. The first is this, are you fighting for 
and pursuing unity? Are you fighting for and pursuing unity? That means squashing gossip and offense at other people. That means dealing with issues with others in a godly and a timely fashion. Are you doing that? The second question is, are you building bridges and not walls? There's a reason that phrase is in what we have on our website. It's because of this. It takes me time and and process and development and planning to build a bridge, but it takes me moments to build a wall. You give me some two-by-fours and some sheetrock, and I have you a wall up in 10 minutes. But if you want me to build a bridge, I've got to think about what's going to be traveling that bridge. Can the bridge take the weight of the relationship I'm using this for? It takes time, effort, and planning. That's why we like walls better, because walls keep people out, and they're quick and easy. But bridges allow people into our lives and take time and effort and planning. And we've got to upkeep the bridge because the road keeps being used. Well, I don't want that. All I got to do, we put up these walls in here, and I ain't had to mess with these walls in over a year and a half. You just put the walls up, and the walls do what the walls are supposed to do. But the bridge is hard. It's difficult. It takes your effort. It takes your time. It takes your energy. Last question is this. Do you really want the blessing that comes with unity? When you do what love does, you feel what love feels. When you do what unity does, you get what unity gives. So do you really want unity? Would you, would you bow your heads today? The only reason I ask you to do that is so you can take a moment and focus on the Father. I just want you to have some time between you and Him. Father, we, we, we humbly come before you right now. And God, before we say a word, we need to just stop and thank you. That, that you killed the Goliath in our lives of the division between you and us. God, you, you made a way. Jesus, you died on the cross and you restored unity uh, through you, Jesus, between God's sons and daughters. And so first, Jesus, we thank you. Come on, church, just tell him, thank you for your salvation. Thank you for the unity that we can have because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And even if somebody's here right now, Jesus, and they haven't made a profession of faith in you, God, in this moment right now, let them just confess, Jesus, you are Lord. You're Lord of my life. God, I'm asking you to forgive us. God, even me specifically, forgive me for not pursuing and fighting for unity more aggressively than I pursued my own appetites for justice or for what I wanted. Oh, God, forgive us. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to help us in this moment to pursue unity. Help us, Father. God, we want to walk in unity, God. We want to walk in unity so the people of Liberty County can be changed forever, God, so that we can experience the joy of the relationships that you've called us to, God. We want to walk in unity because, God, you command a blessing of life. And, God, we want life. We want it in our families, in our church families, in our jobs, in our organizations, in our hearts, Father. Help us in this moment. Thank you for the unity that comes through you, Jesus, and we love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.